Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists and community builders, weeknights at 6 here on KRCL. And I'm Laura Jones, remotely connecting with me, Al Dynstrichnight, KRCL's punk rock farmer. And Al, it's pretty much a regular punk rock farmer Friday. How are you? I'm good. Let's, let's, the technology can get the best of me every once in a while, but you sound I good. think we might be able to pull this one off. You got a good feed. Before we get going, you just got back from uh, a trip, and did you see any gardens or farms south of the border? Well, we went to this restaurant one of the second night we were there. There was Poblano Pet that was in the middle of a garden. And that was really cool. Um, the farmers were growing poblano pe- peppers right on the road there. And um, we found some that fell off a truck. We oh, put I them see. in the chocolate in the morning. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of agriculture down there. It's a, there's, there's a big aquifer underneath. And it's, it's feeding all the plants there. And, it, mm. and desert everywhere. And the most mm. arid worse than here if you can imagine that wow i mean everything's covered in dust on those roads and you can't tell if it's alive or dead till you blow all the dust off so we're we're uh lucky (laughs) to have and it's rained here and that's cool too and it rained the last day i was there hurricane enrique went by and uh it, it was very it was a really nice trip a lot of great food ate a lot of seafood we had a really good time down there. So, Al, coming up on your Urban Farm Report, we got clips from two two trips that you took. One in particular to the farmer's market. Tyler from Keep It Real has this technique to basically uh, put sunscreen on plants. But more importantly, Randy Ramsley from Mesa Farm. And this is kind of an outtake from your project with PBS Utah. Yeah, the thing we did for PBS Utah for the This Is Utah series, this was some footage that kind of what uh, they say fell on the floor, I believe. Oh yes. The cutting room. (laughs) And, um, and it was some of my most, uh, the stuff that I thought was most pertinent really to our message and nutrient dense food and all the stuff we've been talking about growing your own food and why you should, because it's just so darn good for you. It's pretty much, you know, it's a no brainer. And this really talks about, it gets in depth a little more and talks about, how the animals are treated and how the, the soil's treated and what what that has to do and to affect the food and the nutrients in it. So it, it was really a, any time you get to go down on Mesa Farm where the goat cheese is made, you, uh, I mean, he's he makes some, a couple of the really higher end cheeses, goat cheeses for Caputo's down. And uh, he has the cave there. The I've been down cave. in the cave yeah. at Mesa Farm. Which is where? Yeah. Remind us where Mesa Farm is. It's about 19 miles out of Capitol Reef National Park, and it's it's a little bit before Hanksville. If you're going down 24 that way, um, it's it's from Torrey. It's maybe 30 minutes, and it, it's it's kind of in the middle of where the only thing that happens is the river goes through there, and that's what makes all the farmlands happen because. The Fremont is there, and it and it flows all you know, mm. all the time. There's some, there's water rights and things there, and they they can grow. 
Well, stick around, folks. Al's Urban Farm Report coming up. Also, we've got tips on fire and fireworks, also water and drought, and Skywatcher Leo T. But let's start with some fresh homegrown music. And Al, we got a band back that we had a sneak peek in February, but the whole album is ready now. Why don't you introduce the folks for us? We have the guys with Love's Row Holes with us tonight. Tell us your name and who you, who you are on that end. I'm Dan. I play the bass. Uh, Chris, I uh, play rhythm, guitar, and sing. Sam, skin, James, guitar. That's great. It's good to see all you guys. Um, may, hopefully, we'll get to rock out again soon here. Maybe we get to go down to Tori. I don't know how that's going to go yet. I'm waiting to hear. But uh, I'm so excited. Uh, the new album is out. It's actually on vinyl. Uh, you can get it here in town. How about some details on that? Yeah, we got it at Ranch Records right now. Um, we don't really have it at any other shops, but we have it on Bandcamp, and we'll have it uh, at the show on uh, next Saturday. So you got a show coming up. Stick around, folks. They'll tell us all about that. Al, let's get into a cut off this new one. Uh, the album is Red Clouds. What do we got up first? This is Los Rojos, and this one is Mothership, fresh and homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
In the summer of 1969, a large music and cultural milestone took place in America, drawing thousands of people to witness an all-star musical lineup. This wasn't Woodstock, it was the Harlem Cultural Festival, and the entire thing was filmed. The footage sat in storage for decades, until Amir Questlove Thompson discovered its existence and went to work putting together a documentary about the six soulful Sundays at Mount Morris Park in Harlem, New York during the summer of 1969. KRCL's Music Meets Movies and the Friday Soul Party are proud to support the Sundance Institute's screening of Summer of Soul, Friday, July 16th at Red Butte Garden. Doors at 8.30, movie at 9.30, details at krcl.org. The revolution will not be televised. Skywatcher Leo T here. Look up, look around, get a little bit lost in space. This Justin from the Associated Press. Astronomers have witnessed a black hole swallowing the most dense object in the universe, a neutron star. That's right, folks, a neutron star swallowed by a black hole in a split-second gulp. Then 10 days later, they saw it happen again on the other side of the universe, according to this article from the AP. In both cases, a neutron star, a teaspoon of which would weigh a billion tons, orbits ever closer to that ultimate point of no return, a black hole. Finally, they crash together and the neutron star is gone. Astronomers were able to see the last 500 orbits before these neutron stars were swallowed. All of this took less than a minute and briefly generated as much energy as all the visible light in the observable universe. What? Really? Let's read that again. When the neutron star was swallowed by the black hole, it generated as much energy as all the visible light in the observable universe. Wow, that is quite a statement. While astronomers have seen gravitational waves from two black holes colliding with each other and two neutron stars colliding with each other, this is the first time they have seen one of each crashing into each other and bringing the Skywatcher spaceship much closer to the friendly confines of our solar system. We have a tale of Mars. On Mars, if you're thirsty, just drill down a mile or so, at least on the South Polar region. Researchers analyzing radar data gathered by Europe's Mars Express spacecraft have discovered more evidence for several subsurface lakes about a mile underground, one 12 miles wide, and three more about six miles wide. And in low Earth orbit, the president of, of China called the crew of China's Shenzhou 12 mission to congratulate the crew inside the Tengong core module of the Chinese space agency's brand new space station. China has a president? I thought they were a communist nation with a chairman and all that. Hmm. Well, congratulations to the Chinese space program after successfully docking at the module in low Earth orbit on June 17th. I wonder if the other nations of the International Space Station forgot to ask them to join up when they put up the ISS. And let's do a little space exploration of our own. Get out into the red rocks or the mountains with the breeze near a lake in the pines. Or in your backyard, looking up near the north, find the Big Dipper wheeling around the North Star. As you follow the handle of the Dipper around, you can follow the curve in Arc to Arcturus, the beautiful orange supergiant hanging there. Arcturus is the brightest star in the constellation Bautes the Herdsman. Stars also known in Skylore as the Bear Guard. Also, the group of stars is known as the Kite, which you can find in the Skywatcher site. A nice chart there. Then spike down to Spica on the way down. Don't forget to look at Zubin el Ganubi. Zubin el Ganubi sits midway between cool blue Spica and the beautiful glowing orb of Antares in the constellation Scorpius. 
take a look at those sky charts on the Skywatcher site. On Skywatcher Leo T, it's one culture, many skies. On the ancient Chinese sky charts, there is more than one dipper in the sky. The second one is located far from the North Pole in the southern constellation of Sagittarius, which is full of twinkling deep space objects. They say that this dipper plays chess with the dipper in the north. The outcome of the game being a matter of life and death. In the cultural lore, it is said that the southern dipper is responsible for birth and the northern dipper for death. So keep searching for your own answers and looking up, look around, and get a little lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. Thank you, Skywatcher Leo T. Check tonight's show notes for a link to his Facebook page. Says he's planning a star party, Aldine, so we might be going out to look at the stars and uh, take in the night skies sometime soon. It's a radioactive summer break, but on Fridays, we're still doing the whole Punk Rock Farmer Friday show, Aldine. Yeah, it's great, man. We're still doing the Urban Farm Report. And, uh, you know, it's, it's music always, of course. So it's not, nothing's changing. Yep. <laughs> new studios coming, new chapter for KRCL. You can read all about it on our website at krcl.org. And coming up, like you said, the Urban Farm Report for the Punk Rock Farmer rallies and resources. We wanted to get some tips in from one of your micro farmers, your punk rock farmers, uh, who's got a really interesting technique. Set up this clip for us. Tyler Montague. We talked to Tyler over at the Farmer's Market at his booth, Keep It Real Vegetables. And um, we were, you know, we're buddies. We were talking about the heat as uh, last week or about a week or so ago. It got so darn hot early. And... Um, a little bit about shade cloth and a little bit about a new technique that they're talking about. It's where they spray actual substance on the plants. Kind of cool stuff. Here's that conversation. I, I saw you spraying uh, spraying mud on the plants. What's that all about? What's that all about? Uh, it's it's this super fine white clay called kaolin clay, and it's awesome. It like it's like sunscreen. It like prevents dehydration and reflects, you know, a certain percentage, like 15% of the sun, uh-huh. 20%. Uh-huh. And it protects against bugs because it like bugs don't like the dry, tiny clay particles. Right. So it's like a multi-purpose. So I've, I'm experimenting more with it. Um, it's awesome. Where does it come from? The ground. I know, but like in a certain region or somewhere? I have or? no idea where it comes from. It's called kaolin clay. Kaolin. But uh, it's the product is called Surround WP. And it's, I mean, it's organic, certified organic, OMRI and everything. It's just clay. So How do you, you just mix it with water in a, in a big bucket and uh, get it mixed up and then pour it in the backpack sprayer and just... It, it'll spray through the sprayer. It'll yeah. go through the line. Yeah, because it's so fine. Huh. It's pretty dope. Sounds cool. Yeah. Three days ago, it was 100 and some odd degrees and I watered my garden. And by the end of the day, it was totally dry and toast, the, the ground already and then i threw shade cloth over and did the same thing again and it doesn't dry out as fast and it stays watered (laughs) so i mean we gotta really we gotta really get it now it's you've seen how we grow we grow almost everything under ag 19 you know like almost everything under that lightweight white row cover fabric um because almost everything does better with it and it protects it and like one of the things it does is moderate death heat and wind and like you know so it blows up the weeds a little bit which is a separate story but like i kind of am just like these days for the past few years i'm just like 
almost, um, we grow almost everything under it. It's annoying because it's like you have to lift up the rocks every time and move the fabric when you're working in the beds and then move it back and put the rock. Like we spend a lot of our lives just like moving lifting fabric rocks, and lifting bricks, you know, like, um, making piles of bricks, moving the piles, like. But it's I I view it as necessary. I have everything almost everything covered this year. Yeah, it's a good idea. I have almost everything covered, and you can just see the stress is less yeah. you, just by looking at well, the it's plants. Like, it's like think about it. It's like birds, bugs, sun, wind, hail. And I, it's like multi multi purpose. Right. You know, right. dehydration, water supply, you know, like it's everything. I have seen like when you have greens sometimes and you're just floating the, the row cover on top, if it gets hot enough it can burn the tips of the green right. where it touches the fabric. The very tops. But I mean I didn't see that this time and it was hundred and seven, you know, so it's crazy we're already getting it in freaking June. Well I'm just hoping it's gonna it's just gonna be mean for June and get it out of its system. Then we're gonna have a nice cool monsoon July and August. Tyler from Keep It Real Vegetables. Don't forget to look for Tyler at the farmer's market downtown at Pioneer Park. Uh, Al, before we get to your Urban Farm Report, plus some more music from Los Rojos, I got some tips on fire because, oh man, every time I turn around, it seems like there's an apartment building on fire in the state. But also, people want to light off their fireworks. Here's Salt Lake City Fire Chief Carl Lieb with his thoughts on the fire danger. Not only is it the heat, but it's just the dry fuels that we've seen all spring long. We had didn't have a lot of snowpack this winter. Um, so we didn't have a lot, you know, of, of green, lush uh, shrubbery growing and vegetation throughout uh, Salt Lake and the Salt Lake Valley. And what we have now is just really dry fuels everywhere. And in addition to that, we've seen abnormally high winds this year, which is very concerning, concerning because winds in these kind of conditions, particularly in fire wildland conditions, they can cause real problems for the firefighters and those trying to suppress, suppress these incidents. So we're headed again to the 4th of July and the 24th. The governor is asking people not to use fireworks. Salt Lake City Mayor Mendenhall is saying, uh-uh, personal use, citywide, no go. But you're also concerned for folks that do decide to throw caution literally into the wind and use personal fireworks. Um, you're worried about burns and perhaps even fatalities because that has we happened in the past. Yeah, we absolutely are, Laura. Um, you know, we believe under the circumstances, the environmental conditions right now, the whole city is in a high risk for fire danger, not just our urban interface. And normally that is our highest risk areas. Um, and they continue to be, but today, I mean, backyards are a risk, right? The shrubbery in our backyards is very dry. It's probably right next to a wood shed, as I've said before in a lot of my uh, interviews, and that shed is probably next to a wooden fence, uh, which brings fire potentially right back to someone's home. And that's where we have a real life safety issue. Um, and, and one home is uh, unfortunately um, uh, burned, your neighbor's house is at risk as well. And then the exposure to the other side of the home. So yeah, we have a real life safety issue. And we've seen a lot of fire activity in the last few days just here in Salt Lake City. Uh, and additionally, throughout the Salt Lake Valley, Ogden, uh, southern part of the valley as well. What is your message to those folks who, this is this is their, literally, it's their 4th of July. They want to light the fireworks. What's your advice? Well, celebrate the holidays. I mean, there's a lot of ways to celebrate the holidays. You could play pickleball on the 4th of July. That's a lot of fun. I find that enjoyable. I don't have to light off fireworks to do things like that. A barbecue, you could uh, go swimming at one of our local reservoirs. 
go for a bike ride, go for a hike. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could do uh, that do not include the activation of small explosive devices. So I am advocating for that. Just find an alternative. Just because it's allowed, maybe in your particular municipality or your area of the valley, does not mean it's a good idea this year. Uh, it's just really super risky, and I'd like everyone to look at alternatives for the holidays rather than fireworks. Salt Lake City Fire Chief Carl Lieb. And Al, I wanted to check in with Stephanie Dewar. We had her on the show a couple of weeks ago doing the seven gallon challenge, the soak cycle information. And I thought I'd check back uh, on the drought, and she has some great tips for uh, how to lower your water usage. And it starts with prioritizing your landscape. The first thing to do is prioritize your landscape. And for a lot of people, that would be trees first because they're tough to replace. And if they die, that's really bad news. So trees first, maybe shrubs and perennial borders next. Um, one website I saw had annuals. I would put my food, my vegetable garden, because there are, a lot of them are annuals. I'd put that next. And so, and then the lawn is last. The lawn, though, lawn gets a lot of flack for, you know, being a lawn. Really, the issue with lawn is our relationship to the lawn. We, the, it's the lawn we choose. It's what we expect it to look like. And it's how we choose to water it. Lawn is actually much more resilient than people realize. And if you didn't water your bluegrass lawn right now for two more weeks, it wouldn't die. It would go dormant. So I would say... You know, no more than watering twice a week on your lawn. But if you want to really support your vegetable garden and all this, think about watering your lawn only once a week for no more than about what you, the goal is you aim for about a half an inch of water delivery. And that's like, what is that? No more than about 20 minutes, um, ideally in a cycle soak pattern. There's information about what that means on our website. But if you watered for, say, 20 minutes once a week, your lawn will look tired but it won't die, but that will make sure you have enough water for your vegetable garden and your shrub borders and your trees, which are the priority. So watering your lawn less often is a fine strategy. All right. I also noticed that you say, don't rip out your lawn and replace it with gravel. And I got to admit, I've been doing more walking in the neighborhood lately, and I'm seeing some all rock fields going on. (sighs) Yeah. And the reason I put this recommendation, I realized that this is, you know, one of the complexities Utah has is we're, uh, we cover a lot of different sort of um, geographies in terms of what our climate looks like. And in some parts of our state, gravel may be a really great option, but where we are here, we're just high enough in elevation. There's a lot of um, native or adaptive grasses or ground covers that could stand in for a Kentucky bluegrass lawn. And The thing about gravel is what's going to happen if you replace your lawn with gravel is you're going to increase what's called the urban heat island around your home and around the community. And what that means is gravel, because it doesn't, um, it doesn't, uh, you know, transpirate the way plants do. um, It doesn't support um, atmospheric moisture. So it, and it radiates heat. So it's going to get hotter. Well, if it's going to get hotter, you're going to have to cool your home more, which takes water. If it gets hotter, you're going to also have to water the plants that are around that gravel area more because it's hotter. Your soil could also decline in health because it's going to get hotter. And all the things that live in the soil will have a more difficult time surviving in that. And you could say, well, you know, the sand is in the desert, right? But that's a different biome. It's not the same as the biome in this region along the Wasatch Front. 
So right here along the Wasatch Front, there are options other than gravel for your landscape that take less water. In fact, if you wanted to do something and didn't have plants, um, plant-based mulches would be a better choice because at least they decompose, they add to the soil profile, they support the soil biomes, and it's cooler than gravel. And you should pile it high, right? Pile it high, babies. Pile it high, like three to four inches. And then, of course, one of the last things I want to remind folks to do is that you can get a water check. Yes. And it's free. Like this is the easiest way to save water. Well, the 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 part of it that saves water is you have to actually do what they tell you to do. But <laughs> in, in partnership with Utah State University and the Metropolitan Water District of Salt Lake and Sandy, we provide free water checks. And what this is, is some trained folk from Utah State University come to your home or your business property or your HOA. They turn on your irrigation system and make a visual observation. So they'll make a note of broken heads, crooked heads, sunken heads, tilted heads, things like that. Um, also, if you have missed, mismatched heads, wow, that's a hard one to say. Um, they'll make you a bullet list. They'll also do a catch cup test to tell you how efficient your system is, but also it will tell you how long it takes to run your system to get to that one half inch mark, which is the ideal delivery, the volume of water delivery in a single irrigation cycle. The other thing they'll do is show you how to work your controller, because like you said, Laura, you got to control your controller. The controller is not in charge. The controller is just a tool and you need to you need to work the tool. And so get your hands on that controller, learn how to use it. And it's a free service and it's awesome. And we know for a fact, because we've been doing this for over 15 years, households that have a water check, the majority, every once in a while, there's an outlier. But the vast majority of people save anywhere from about 7 to close to 28, 29% of their water use every single year. And they save that year after year because now they know these things. And we track that too. So we're tracking folks who've had a water check and we know they use less water than their neighbors. So we Stephanie, where can folks get all these details? Uh, so they didn't if have to they, frantically write them all down as we were talking. <laughs> I know, really fast, write them down. Um, they can visit our website, which is slc.gov forward slash utilities, it's plural, forward slash conservation. Great. We'll put it in the show it's notes. It's all there. Thank you so and much. And what, what's uh, what's your number one that you're doing at your Ooh. house to take care of all this? Well, I, I'm not watering my lawns. I mean, I water my backyard lawn a little bit because my dog is, he loves, he like he plays on it. I play on it. So we're using the lawn. Front yard lawn, it's small. I'm not using it. Don't water it. And I'm, um, that's my thing. And then that water that I'm saving from my lawn is going on my tomatoes and my beans and my chard. Excellent, Stephanie Dewart. Thank you so much. You are welcome, Laura. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for helping us conserve right now. Stephanie Dewar, Salt Lake City uh, Water Conservation Manager. Check the show notes tonight for a link to all those tips from Stephanie. All right, time for some more fresh and homegrown music, Al. Let's get Los Rojos back in here. How you doing, you guys? How's it, how's it been? How did, how did the summer go so far? Have you guys played at all? We've been practicing a bunch. Yeah, no shows, no shows yet. We got that show on the 10th, the 10th at uh, Aces High Saloon on the 10th. I guess it's going to be our official album release. I know some of the folks from Burt's are, some of the old folks from Burt's are involved over there at Aces High, and that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool venue, man. Really good vibe down there. Really nice folks down there. Yeah, so they got a good thing going. Yeah, and we're looking forward to it. Really nice stage, and it's gonna be a really good yeah. live venue for sure for Salt Lake. It's it's got a it's got good good vibes and has a lot of the you know similar vibes to what we're used to with some of the older bars in Salt Lake that don't long gone away. But so you're saying it has a certain patina. It does absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> So the new album is Red Clouds, and you shared a couple tracks when you hear back in February. We got some more. Uh, check the show post tonight, folks. You can find the download, but also vinyl in hand at Ranch Records in Sugar House. Why'd you guys decide to go to the expense of, of doing vinyl, guys? Well, we always wanted to do it. We just, we worked a lot of these songs. I mean, we've been together almost 20 years, and I think the songs that we put on there were there's some new ones and then there's some that we kind of retooled a little bit and we just always wanted to do vinyl and and it's uh it went really well we're we're i think it's one of the things we're really happy with it was kind of like how everyone during the pandemic got puppies we decided we'd press a record <laughs> probably more no, not really <laughs> puppies are just as expensive yeah 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 they are they are this is Los Rojos off their new album, Red Clouds, with part three, fresh and homegrown on Carescale 90.9 FM.
Los Rojos Part 3 off their new album Red Clouds, our featured band tonight, fresh and homegrown on Punk Rock Farmer Friday. It is Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. And Aldine, it's time for the Urban Farm Report. Now, earlier this year, PBS Utah's This Is Utah series uh, went on the road with you, but there's tape that they didn't have time to share, and they've shared it with us to share with folks listening to Punk Rock Farmer Friday. What are we going to hear? We're going to hear one of my buddies, one of my favorites, uh, Randy Ramsley is going to be with us. And we are talks a little bit about nutrient-dense food and just, um, you know, he, he's down in Caneville at the goat farm there. He's making cheese. He's very art, all artisan stuff, bread, and uh, just a great guy to talk to and to learn, learn more about this nutrient-dense stuff. Here we go. It's Punk Rock Farmer Friday on KRCL. The following pre-recorded interview is made possible through PBS Utah. This is Utah. For more information, go to pbsutah.org slash thisisutah. On location here in Caneville, Utah at Mesa Farm. Um, basically a goat farm, but there's also a lot of veggies here. And uh, some fermented food, some... Um, some stuff that's very good for your gut and uh, the importance of uh, eating nutrient-dense food is running rampant here, right, Randy? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> nice to see you. Uh, you know, yeah, talking about nutrient-dense food, I learned an interesting thing the other day that I believe sounds accurate. Uh, I was reading that a plant emits a sugar from its root zone. And that sugar around its root zone entices microbes, fungi, all the, the good little earth creatures to move into that root zone. And they digest the organic matter as well as making the micronutrients, boron, selenium, copper, anything that's in the soil, it makes those components accessible to the plant. The plant is able to absorb the nutrients and the, and the micronutrients from the soil and uptake it. Well, I learned that if you artificially fertilize a plant, it doesn't feel the need to emit that, um, that bricks, that sugar from the root zone. So all those little micronutrients or, or all those little creatures of the earth do not move into the root zone and do not make the allow the food to be nutrient dense so on its on its own in a when it when food grows when food is growing has been growing throughout ages and there is no um, fertilizers around then it grows correctly and admits this thing that's drawing in the nutrients and otherwise you don't get it you don't get it the plant does not uptake the nutrients of the soil and the, that's where our life comes from is the soil. We were talking a little bit about the way also also we eat meat and and it even has to do with the feeling of the animal right before you uh, slaughter. There's a lot of there's little things that make a big difference. Make a big difference. It's one of the things that we've been trying to accomplish is enticing the federal regulations to loosen up and allow the animals to be killed on the farm and then maybe processed in a licensed manufacturing plant. Uh, and this really allows for a more energetic meat. Let's think about hauling 
an animal to the slaughterhouse, it is fearful. It is afraid. You've pulled it away from its home. You've pulled it away from its family. And the whole time that it's spent on its journey, it's, it's, it's uh, releasing hormones that are related to fear. And it's, def it's doing something to the meat. Yeah, the, the meat is infused with, essentially, fear. And then we ingest that. And uh, it's, it's my thinking that, you know, uh, fear is one of the greatest triggers of hate and greed and jealousy that exists in this world. So, uh, you know, it's a crazy idea, but what if we ate food that is not instilled with fear? And this even comes to vegetables, because let's think about the migrant workers and their, their work out in the fields. They're afraid. They're afraid to lose their jobs. They're afraid of being deported. They're afraid of not being able to take care of their families. So the food that they're working on is being infused with fear again. We're such a fear-generating culture. There's a, there's a place for all of us in this, in this universe, and there's, the answers are out there. there we were you talking about um, there's problems, but there's only answers to those problems, correct? That's, that's such an interesting thing, isn't it? They say that the quantum field is infinite probability. Every question that can exist has an answer before it even has a question. One plus one equals two. Two exists before we even have the answer. These answers are available to us. It just depends on a shift in consciousness. And my philosophy and so many others' philosophy, you've been working on it for decades, is that food is the core of the beginning of our awakening consciousness. Uh, bad food dumbs us down. Good food awakens us. It, you know, I've been eating out of my garden, and I've, I've took a trip to the doctor about three months ago, and they said, boy, you, you, these are numbers, and they're high. And uh, work on, you know, here's, here's a pill, but work on getting it down on your own. So along with the pill and eating the nutrient-dense food from my garden and stopping to eat the hormone-induced food from the, from the supermarket, the meats, from the supermarket and only eating the locally grown uh, meats and grass-fed and I cut my cholesterol in half and even lower than maybe it should be in three months. So uh, eating this food from the garden, from your garden, and folks should be growing their own food. I, you know, uh, I think about supermarkets and I think it's before the world wars, there were no supermarkets. And uh, so where did folks get food? They grew it in their backyard or they got it from the farmer's market. And um, were there all these health problems and things before the food was uh, uh, produced industrially and brought to a supermarket? Then it's been fertilized and it's been, it's traveled, um, it's picked unripe a week before it's, it goes on the shelf. Is it ever, does it ever get ripe the same way it gets in the field? No. Do you eat it the same way? Does it taste the same way as if you go and pick the tomato off the vine? No. Um, it, the importance and the no-brainer thing about this whole thing is just like, come on, folks. It's, it's out there. You can grow it yourself. 
Uh, you can eat the best food. You can you can eat the most nutrient dense food, and that those are key words right now. And in, in the time and the way we way things are right now, don't you think? Yeah, nutrient density, good food. Um, it's it's really a very interesting thing. I've I was fortunate enough to run into some very interesting people in my youth. One of the things they taught me about was a thing called the food triad. And they told me that, you know, Randy, you eat three different kinds of food. The food that you eat enters your stomach, stalls out, you breathe. That's your second food, breath, good air. Now the, now the oxygen goes to your blood, oxygenates the blood. The blood carries the nutrients of the food out to every cell. Every cell is infused with nutrients. But there's a key component that we tend to miss. And that's the way that we digest our life experience. Do we digest it with fear? Do we digest it with hate? Do we digest it with jealousy? Or do we digest it with love, agape, uh, compassion, uh, empathy? And so as we practice empathy and compassion, this mixes with our food that we have eaten and it reaches even a more potent state. It, and um, uh, there's a consciousness that we feed also when you eat when your gut is in the space that it needs to be in, we've talked about this before, then you think you're thinking empathy, you're thinking love, you're, you're not getting the bad thoughts and the, and the action in, in, in your body, correct? Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, I'm very saddened sometimes. I go to the supermarket, buy some stuff, uh, and I go into the supermarket and I see people buying this stuff, and I say, don't buy it! And I say, <laughs> that their bodies, they're suffering, they're in pain, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's such a gradual spiral down from our childhood into our age, and we don't really notice ourselves not feeling well. But now you talk about the last three months, suddenly you're really starting to breathe in life. You know, the difference that we experience from eating good food and eating it with awareness, I, I you know, this, this animal, I appreciate this animal. This beet, I appreciate this beet. These are things that are so important to our well-being. And, and this is the time, as you say. You know, astrologically, we, Uranus is in uh, Taurus, uh, the uh, archetype of the farmer. This is the farmer's time. This is the time when sustainable agriculture, and, and I've, been, I've been farming since I was 11 months old. Uh, my grandma, grandma had me out in the garden, and I had to leave it for a while to make enough money to buy a farm. You know, they say there's the saying, there's a lot of money in farming. I know because I put it there. I <laughs> uh, finally got enough money to buy a farm, and my life has uh, just evolved into such a greater awareness since I've been here working with the land. How many years have you been here? Uh, 22. But... It doesn't matter, a small plot, a four by eight raised bed in the backyard, you're there. You don't gotta have a tractor. Uh, it's really an amazing thing. Like you say, everyone should be growing, even if it's a pot of herbs out on the windowsill. Grow it, you know, eat it, it's good. So, um, Randy, I've, I've known Randy, oh, five or six years now uh, on on more of a friendly basis. And, and we've we've grown, 
closer as friends and I've watched what goes on here at the farm. I've been interested in this more and more in the last five years because I've been doing this punk rock farmer thing. And um, I mean, we're not in an urban setting here, but what, what Randy does here is very punk rock because I mean, we're trying to get the message out to people to eat this food, I mean, and eat the best food you can. And folks aren't doing it that now. There's not as, as many that should be. There are folks who are doing it. There's an agricultural revolution and all that. But these there's folks like Randy here who have been doing it for years and years and years. And it's like, um, it's kind of a shame that we have to tell people <laughs> because we've been doing this for so long and um, and and living this way and with these ideals and the value of food and being grateful for the beat, being grateful for the animal, um, those kind of things, you know. Uh, the earth is is here and it's all we have. And there's so many things that, that tie into it. And Randy's are really in tune with a lot of these things <laughs> and it and it's great and, I, and that that information comes back on me and i get to go and expound and tell people hey listen i know a little bit more about this stuff now because i know this guy who told who's who's got some answers about food let's eat good food and yeah uh al wandered into the store um, several years ago uh, I'd heard about the punk rock farmer in the uh, Salt Lake scene. I have a lot of friends uh, that are in that gardening scene. And uh, so we sat down, started communicating about ideas, and we both realized that we both deeply appreciated and understood the need to educate and to expound the benefits of good food. And Al's been doing that for I don't know how long. A while now. A while now, and that's that's really such a powerful message, and and just living that ideology is an even more powerful message, and that's one of the things that I get to do here because people like Al help me, uh, you know, uh, and I have a lot of visitors come in, and I'm able to educate them, but Al reaches a huge population, a huge number of people, and the influence that he has on the young uh, people in in the Salt Lake community is profound as well. That's a real art to be able to communicate with um, the younger generation and even if they're not fully understanding it, Al's planting seeds and these seeds that Al plants are going to germinate in the minds of these young people and one day they're gonna go, I'm gonna eat that beet. Yeah, that they're finally the no-brainer light goes off, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I I should be doing this too. It, it I, has I, potential. I, I I get so I get excited about it, and I'll be excited about eating food. I love food to begin with, and I love to cook, but there's something about, um, I mean, uh, maybe it's a cookbook for me that's based around harvest and when what starts coming the squash starts coming in this in the summer the the eggplants start to come a little later the tomatoes come then you're making salsa I mean you with a with a plot maybe 30 by 30 you can grow a lot of food you can grow enough food to put some of that food up and be enjoying that food throughout this throughout the winter 
and until maybe you can go to the market again in the spring uh, folks are growing greens all year round in greenhouses you can always get greens always there's always something there um, in the urban farm community in the in our agriculture uh, community that you can get a lot of tourists go through here mesa farm market and a lot of folks travel through here through this on this little two-lane highway right here in caneville in caneville utah right here by the fremont river and um you have north and south caneville mesas it's really cool it's gray it's a gray area when you come in the the landscape turns uh, the mesas are gray and it's a red rock zone everywhere else around here but this is this spot is a little different and the river comes through and there's a north and south caneville mesa but uh what I'm trying to get to is that there is an oasis because of this river here in the middle of the desert that runs a perennial river. It runs all year round um, and it brings life here. It brings irrigation here main, mainly that makes the life here. And so you stop here, you, you, there's only a few places to stop. There used to be Luna Mesa uh, down the road. It was a little e eating place. I stopped there 20 years ago, but it, that hasn't been going for years and years now, has it, Randy? And so, um, it, there's a, one other place, and it's Mesa Farm Market. You see the sign, and it's not a big sign. And we don't, you know, you don't need a big sign out here in the desert. You just need a sign. Uh, you need a, just you don't want a sign. You just you need people to just know what's here. And so there's a there's a little front building uh, in the front, and you you go in, and Randy will make you the best cup of coffee you ever had, um, a drip cup of coffee. There's cinnamon rolls, which maybe not be the best for you in our in our nutrient dense eating program, but and once in a while you get to enjoy something like that. Uh, all kinds of goat cheeses, uh, feta and chev and tome. Award winning. Award winning, and uh, Caputo's Market. Boy, thanks for those guys Thank because they that. really help fuel the operation here. But I mean, it, it, there's folks that come through here. Uh, on a trip uh, from Germany. And then they come back every year, don't they? When they come back, they come back and say hi to Randy every time, don't they, Randy? This this is a spot. It's, it's an energetic. I have to say that when I started this thing, I had a completely different vision of what it would be than what it is now. It has evolved as a result of all of the people that I've worked with and all of the people that I've met and it's really a an energetic place that I've had people say, gee, I was just thinking about a fresh salad. Gee, I was just thinking about, and there it was. There's, there's an, or we drove by and we had to turn around and we had to come back. And that's the energy that we want, that comes from living and eating this food and being a part of this movement instills in me and the people that I work with and everyone feels that and that's where that's where the whole thing is this can happen everywhere we can, can create this energy everywhere yeah. a, a great little story is about Roseanne and how she was one of the drivers that drove past here and uh, and now you and her are together and she lives here now with you and she is a physician who uses food as medicine so she has changed my life and and changed the message that I present has enhanced it because I'm more educated about the value of food or a good diet which includes 
good saturated animal fats, you know, and so many different things. But life is such an amazing experience. And now is the time for us to really embrace this agricultural movement that Al's been talking about, that I've been dreaming of for decades. As I indicated, astrology is a very interesting science. And, and Sherry Zollinger said, this is the time of the farmer. This was three years ago. This is the time of the farmer, Randy. You can't get out now. It's too important that you stay in presenting the message. The food triad depends upon beginning with good food. Uh, if we start with poorly composed, energized food, we're going to have a harder time converting that food into the energy that we need to consciously evolve and Corona is really about pushing us into a new awakening to who and what we really are and get on with the work, get on with sustainability, get on with regenerating the earth, get on with living healthily, get on living with joy, get on living with community. We can't live in this negative space. This negative space breaks down our immunity. This negative space of duality, uh, them and us and it all breaks down and we have to return no matter which side of the river we're on we have to see that there is a flowing stream of energy and consciousness and well-being and we all got to dive into that and see that we're all one in this thing and that begins sitting down at a table and eating it's 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 a part of us this pre-recorded interview is made possible through PBS Utah. This is Utah. For more information, go to pbsutah.org slash this is Utah. That's Randy Ramsley from Mesa Farm. And a big shout out to Sally Shum, the director for the This is Utah series. All right, Al, it's been a great show. Time to close out with some more fresh and homegrown music from our featured band tonight, Los Rojos. Al, what's playing live again is the key. Getting back out there, I hear these guys have a gig. So obviously you guys have this record coming out. You're going to play, play and do a record release. So let's talk once more about um, just where it's going to be at. Aces High Saloon, uh, right down on State Street, um, you guys were saying, I haven't been in there yet, but you guys were saying it's a great venue. It's got that old-time feel. Um, sounds, It's like exciting. It's like perfect that you guys are playing there, right? Yeah, it really kind of fit us. It's kind of a, a metal and dirty country venue. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And it doesn't smell like birds. So, I mean, it's great. <laughs> All the birds, none of the smell. Yeah. We've got an eagle twin closing out the night for us, so come get your face melted. <laughs> where can people get all the details on the gig, but also where they can pick up the new album, Red Clouds? Well, Red Clouds is available at Ranch Records. We have it on Bandcamp as well, just under the name Los Rojos. And we'll have records at the show. Um, the, the venues on 1588 South State Street, and music will probably start around 10. You can find us on Instagram and I think Facebook. We've got a Facebook page as well. Closing out with an instrumental off the new record by Los Rojos, Fresh and Homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM. Mm -hmm. 